Hello and welcome to the Media and Marketing Podcast sponsored by MWW. My name is John Reynolds, the host. Coming up, we've got an interview with Karen Blackett, who is the country manager at WPP UK. Uh, Karen is talking about gender pay gap at WPP. WPP reported its figures last week. I think it's the first agency group in the UK to report its um, gender pay gap figures. It's certainly head of the broadcasters, ITV and Channel 4, and likes of Facebook and Google in the UK, which haven't reported yet. The deadline is May, so there's still a bit of time to do that. Um, so Karen talks about why gender diversity is such a, a big thing for her. She talks to well, I guess interestingly, she talked about the possibility of introducing quotas at WPP and also some of the struggles she's encountered as a black woman working in advertising. Uh, before that, I'm delighted to be joined by Patrick Herridge, who is UK MD of MWWPR, the PR agency. And for transparency's sake, I must say, MDW, MWWPR is the sponsor of this podcast. So thanks a million for joining me, Patrick. Can we just get a potted history of your own career today? Yeah, so I've spent the last 20 years or so working in public relations, uh, primarily in the media, marketing and technology sector. Uh, over that time, I've probably worked with many of the main players, I guess, in the market. Everyone okay. from News UK, Channel 4, BBC, Yahoo, uh, whoever you'd like to mention. Uh, I've been with MWW since we launched in the UK about four years ago. Yeah. Um, MWW is one of the world's largest independent public relations agencies. Um, eight offices, about 300 people across the world. Um, providing a mixture of paid, owned and earned media uh, skills for companies across a whole load of sectors. Okay, fantastic. So we're going to rattle through some of the big news stories. So Trinity Mirror, in the last 24 hours, put out a statement saying they're going to change the name from Trinity Mirror to Reach. This is following the, the acquisition of the Express and Star title. So what's your take on this? Is it a good thing? or? Um, I think in terms of the acquisition itself, as a lover of newspapers, you've got to say it's a good thing. Uh, the Express has clearly been underfunded for the last few years. Um, you know, the quality editorial has arguably mm -hmm. been declining. Um, one would hope under the Trinity or now Reach umbrella, um, we'll see some investment and uh, you know, potential to recover some of its lost glory. Um, yeah, there does appear to be some concern that they have quite a lot of titles in a very similar segment now between the Mirror, the Express the star and the record in Scotland, yeah. um, clearly uh, something they've thought about, but yeah, it's a lot of a lot of titles talking to a very similar audience there, I guess. Okay, and what about the name? Does it does it, does it chime with you? Does it sound a good name, Reach? Or? Uh, it's, uh, you know, as a fairly generic name, one can see what they were aiming for, clearly with the combination of all the papers and their local portfolio, uh, then, you know, they're trying to talk about the reach that they can achieve in, in numbers terms. Um, that feels to me something of a hostage to fortune in the market today. I mean, there's a lot of media organisations, new and old, that will claim reach, um, most notably Facebook and Google. Um, newspapers have tended to try and, you know, differentiate themselves from just that idea of generic reach, you know, by looking at the engagement that a newspaper can bring, by looking at the data that they've got from their known audience, the unique relationship a newspaper's brand has with its readers. Um, and yeah, so it feels to me that it, mm. you, know, you want to be talking about more than just reach and boiling it down to a simple numbers game yeah. isn't necessarily going to help in terms of differentiating against the, the biggest threat that all newspapers face today. I think it's worth pointing out that Simon Fox, who's the chief executive Trinity Mirror, previously worked at Woolworths when it changed its name to Kingfisher, uh, which I think initially there was a bit of rejection towards, but has been accepted in the long term. So I guess time will tell whether it plays out um, well or not. I mean, one thing, one point of difference towards is if you look at Trinity Mirror, their um, free titles are not behind a paywall. So there's a point of difference between those titles, which do have some sort of paywall. Anyway, moving on, um, Mobile World Congress was last week in Barcelona. Read an awful lot about it. What have been the top line findings, most interesting things for you? 
Um, I think some of the more interesting things were maybe the things that weren't there. Okay. Um, I mean, there was very little discussion directly of mobile advertising, and that's yeah. been a trend in recent years. At once upon a time, there was a big mobile advertising presence. Um, nowadays, I think more of that stuff happens at Cannes, De Mexico, certainly the, the bigger announcements. Um, similarly, there was surprisingly little on machine learning and artificial intelligence, um, which has obviously been the buzzword for everyone in technology in the last 12 months. Mm. Um, I think there was some of it in Samsung's announcement of their new handset, but certainly nothing that kind of really exploded beyond the scope of the show. I think probably the most significant thing for the marketing industry is going to be the fact that 5G was really the dominant theme there. Yeah. Um, and whilst that is, yes, a very much a technology story, um, it means an awful lot for a lot of industries. I mean, within telecoms itself, it's the real sign of the, it's the starting, you know, the, the starting pistol for a new technology cycle. Um, you know, the, all of the manufacturers now are out there to capture the operator spend around implementing new 5G technologies. Yeah. The operators themselves will be looking at their marketing campaigns around uh, 5G. If you look back to 3G, obviously, with the launch of 3, EE had a huge spend last time around 4G. Uh, and similarly, one would expect you know, both consumer and B2B spend to be significant around the implementation of 5G. I mean, in terms of what the technology actually means for yeah. advertising, um, yeah. They're always very much hyped, these new technology cycles, sure. and to some extent they end up, be, they, from experience, they tend to be more about you know, dealing with an, an ongoing increase in capacity rather mm. than some massive step change in the service levels we should expect to get. So perhaps the real impact on the types of ads and the types of devices that people are using might be more limited than you'd think. Um, but there has been a lot of talk for a long time that 5G is going to open up a whole load of new products and uh, areas of innovation. You know, Self-driving cars has mm. you know, clearly been you know, a big yeah. area. Um, obviously, there's a lot of those ones that are already powered by 4G, so yeah, the extent to which 5G makes a difference. Similarly, Internet of Things, again, a lot of people have been looking towards 5G as the technology that will power Internet of Things. So potentially, those are areas which might see an accelerated growth as a result of the technology innovation. So 5G is here now, then, is it? Or it's on the horizon? Or? It's on the horizon. So this was largely the hardware companies beginning to showcase the solutions that they will be selling to mobile mm. operators that they will then, in turn, be rolling out as a consumer or business-facing service. And you mentioned uh, there wasn't much about machine learning or AI. Do you think there's been, as you say, so much written and talked about that people are generally a bit bored about these issues or not? Um, I think we're just in the usual hype cycle that, yeah, there's been a lot of talk about it. There has been a yeah. lot of experimental innovation. I just don't know if we're yet at the stage where there's really significant product and consumer innovation above and beyond, you know, the early stage stuff we see in terms of personal assistance and things like that, which are at best limited expressions of machine learning. Okay. Uh, the other story which we want to touch on is a, a PR story, a merger between two WPP agencies. This is Colonel Wolf and Burson Marstella. So this was announced a few days ago. How significant is this then? Okay. Um, clearly it's significant in that it's two of the big players in the PR industry and it's yeah, yeah. a sign that I think yeah, there is going to continue to be consolidation in the, yeah, the PR agency market as we're seeing in lots of other agency markets. Um, I can't claim any special closeness to this. Um, but I would probably say it's a reflection of the changing model that we're seeing across the PR industry. Um, people aren't just looking for you know, point solutions in PR. They're looking for a much more integrated, creative comms package built around you know, the centre of what PR can offer. Mm. Um, you know, kind of Wolf with yeah, great reputation as a consumer agency, strong digital skills. First and Marstella, more of a kind of corporate crisis agency mm. in the public affairs. Um, you know, they both serve their markets well, but together I assume the theory is going to be that they can create a much more integrated offering, that they can go to their clients and help give them integrated solutions rather than saying, we can help you with this one aspect uh, of, of your problem. 
And that's something, you know, agencies big and small are dealing with. Yeah, it's no longer enough for an agency just to do earned media, just to be about media relations. You've got to put together a much broader package mm. that's based around, yes, your skills and understanding earned media and storytelling, but yeah, mm. using different distribution formats to reach your audiences uh, and help your clients to communicate their stories in whatever way they need. So, what, moving, sorry, so moving forward, there's likely to be less uh, PR agencies. And what impact does it have on a, an agency like MWW then? If any, um, I wouldn't. I don't know if they, if net net they will end up being fewer agencies because one of the great things about uh, PR is you yeah it's a always been a hotbed of entrepreneurism. You're yeah. constantly seeing new smaller agencies pop up, uh, and I've seen several commentators this time um, yeah showing that yeah Colonel Wolf was one of the leading mid-sized agencies, mm. um, which yeah and this is another opportunity for mid-sized agencies like MWW to claim what is an increasingly you know desirable space for clients, you know, the slightly smaller agencies that have got that capability to service the biggest accounts, but at the same time are that little bit more nimble, a little bit more capable of innovating quickly in a way that perhaps these behemoth agencies aren't able to simply because of scale and complexity. Right, thank you very much. Anything else? Pat, anything else to, on your radar for the next few weeks? Anything else? Anything interesting? Or? Uh, well, it's Adweek is clearly the, oh, yes. dominating the radar for media-focused PR agencies right now. Um, the various opportunities that are available there, what people are planning. So that's, that's my week for the next, next few days. Okay, thanks very much, Patrick. And do stay uh, tuned, because next up we've got uh, Karen Blackett all on uh, the gender pay diversity debate. Okay. Okay, so now we are joined by Karen Blackett, OBE, who is country manager at WPP after she was promoted from UK Chief Executive Mediacom at the start of the year. Karen's also chairwoman of Mediacom in the UK. Karen is widely seen as the most important agency leader in the British ad industry and is here to talk about WPP's gender pay gap report. Now, thanks a million for joining me, Karen. For the listeners, can we just get a potted history of your own career today and also tell the listeners what exactly a country manager does? So I started in the media agency side. I started out as a direct response planner buyer. Um, So I learned about accountability very early and about how what you do can drive outcomes. I then transverse throughout the industry so had lots of different roles always within media so whether that was um, looking at a being a manager being a senior planner going on to the strategy side being marketing director being new business director being a business director moving out to work in uh, Europe Middle East and Africa as COO and then coming back to be CEO of uh, the UK agency of Mediacom. And I think that was really important that I did lots of different roles because mm-hmm. it meant that when I got into the ultimate leadership position, I'd done most of the roles within an agency yeah. to understand the commerciality of an agency and understand the tension that can exist between different departments and also how to lead and motivate. And country manager, what does that entail? So my role of country manager is to ensure that the clients that we have at WPP in the UK get the best of WPP. It's as simple as that. So that's working with all the incredibly talented CEOs of our individual opcos and helping solve our clients' business problems by bringing together the collection of industry experts that we have within WPP. Okay, brilliant. Okay, so let's have a look at the gender pay gap report and put this in some context. So the backdrop to this is new rules dictate that companies with over 250 employees in the UK must publish details of their gender pay gap by April this year to effectively combat workplace discrimination. Now, WPP reported its figures for 19 agency groups last week, which I must say was ahead of the likes of ITV, Channel 4, Google and Facebook in the UK, which haven't uh, published them yet. 
So you publish various chunks of data. What I guess WPP will be happy with is that the median gender pay gap at WPP is 14%, uh, 14.6%, yeah. which is ahead of a UK average at 18.4%. So just so listeners are clear, you report, you've reported mean and median figures. Now, this m- might feel a bit like going to school, so we'll just focus on the mean. So me- the mean is a sum of all salaries of all employees at the agency divided by the total number of employees, and the mean pay gap is the difference between the figures for male and female, which is worked out at an hourly rate. So some of the agencies that captured the headlines last week were uh, JWT, uh, which had the biggest mean gender pay gap, which is 39%. Uh, AKQA, Medicom Mindshare, and research company TNS also had pay gaps higher than 30%. Now, just bear with me, we need to put this in context because you also uh, published quartiles of pay. So this shows a gender split in the highest earning quartile, second highest, third, and lowest. So this quartile data perhaps sheds light, sheds light on why there is a gender pay gap at JWT and the others. For instance, at JWT, 71% of its top quartile earners are male and AKQA 79%. So I guess you'd say employees at AKQA and JWT will perhaps not be surprised by the gender pay gap because they'll know that there's a lot more senior males and females at agency. Now, I'm conscious I've done a lot of talking there. So my first question to you, Karen, is do you think WPP has come out this well or badly? And have you had any complaints from staff since publishing the report about the gender pay gap? So um, the first thing is, is that most companies are actually reporting their median pay gap. So that's the the figure that most companies are reporting on. Um, And the median pay gap is if you lined up all the men... All the women in any one company, that middle point, yeah. the middle man, middle woman, it's the difference between the two. So most companies and okay. the headlines that you're seeing yeah. are okay. focusing on median. Um, WPP did not have to create a consolidated figure yeah. because the opcos that have more than 250 employees, we could have left them to report their own individual figures. Yeah. But we thought it was good and the right thing to do in... Yeah you know, making sure that we're transparent and we're honest about our figures to actually look at what that looks like as a consolidated figures for all those opcos above 250 people. Okay. As far as I'm aware, we are the first agency group to have reported yeah. our figures. Yeah. And I think that is also important because yeah. we are a leader in the industry. We are the yeah. largest holding group in the industry. So it's, I think it's important that we get those figures out there. So... I think that's the first thing. We have gone first. I think it's important that we've reported a consolidated figure. Yeah. In terms of what that means for the individual companies, there is clearly we are representative of the advertising industry. If Mm -hmm. you look at the advertising industry as a whole, there is an imbalance between the number of female leaders that we have and the number of male leaders that we have in the industry. We've only got just over 30% of all of our industry being run by women. So I think where we are as a group and the individual opcos reflects the industry as a whole. I do think um, there is a lot that we can do. I am happy that we are having gender pay gap reports because I think it shows in black and white where those imbalances exist. And Mm. I am a firm believer in cognitive diversity. So that's all forms of diversity because I want different ways of thinking. So gender is one, race is another, it's all forms of diversity to make sure that that fuels creativity. Okay. But, I mean, and have you, I mean, you, you say um, you're concentrating on the median gender pay gap. So mm. I think AKQA and JWT have still come out uh, the worst on that. But you've not had any complaints from staff at all about the... No, I wouldn't. Uh, complaints, 
absolutely not. I think what all of the OPCOs are focused on and the individuals within the OPCO is making sure that we have the right talent at the top and making sure that there's an opportunity for all of the talent to rise. I think talent is everywhere, but opportunity is not. And my role is to work with the leaders of the individual OPCOs to make sure that talent does get an opportunity to rise and lead. So we have to look at all of our OPCOs and look at what is in place in terms of ensuring Mm. that we don't have people churning out of those OPCOs because the imbalance that exists is because there's not enough women in senior roles. Mm. And I want to make sure that we have as much diversity leading all of our agencies. Okay, so this is a very curt question. Mm. Uh, So someone has got to occupy these senior positions. So why not men? Are we not in danger of demonising the white man in the suit? Uh, Would there be an issue if it was skewed towards... um, too heavily skewed towards uh, too many uh, senior women in these positions? Look, I think what we do as an organisation, what we do as an industry, 83% of all consumer purchases are made Mm. by women. It's really important to have a balanced makeup in leadership which understands core consumers. So do I think that we're endangering privileged white men? No. I think where there have been plenty of opportunities in history for men to actually lead and be in senior positions. What I want to do is make sure that I work with all of our OPCO leaders to widen the door Mm. and make sure that women who are a key consumer group actually have an important chance and opportunity to lead as well because that is the target audience we're talking to mm. as well. And I think you do, you have to, if I'm right, I think you have to report these figures yearly now. So you, yes. won't, you won't be parachuting a load of female leaders into uh, AKQA, JWT, and those other ones which have come out badly then. I think what has already happened since, so these figures which are reported are based on April 2017. Yeah. I think in the 10 months since these figures have been captured, there's already been a range of initiatives and there's already been some hires. So AKQA have employed their first head of tech who's female who comes in. So there's already been a range of initiatives in place. And I don't think parachuting anybody in Mm. is actually going to change the parameters. It is about consistent change, which we think about, which is sustainable to make sure that people don't churn out. Parachuting somebody in mm. is not going to change the culture. Okay. Culture comes from within, so the cultures have to change. Okay, obviously there's 19 companies in total. I've looked at the data, but there doesn't seem to be any trends. Do you think women thrive more in any particular WPP type of agency, creative, media, digital or research? Look, I think there's lots of legacy issues with the industry as a whole. So I do think that we have a number of initiatives which work in the creative departments Mm -hmm. of lots of ad agencies because there is not enough female talent in the creative departments of ad agencies yeah i think that is a legacy issue i think when you look at specifically focused digital companies as well again not a legacy issue but i think it's a factor of some of the qualifications in terms of people coming out with coding skills Mm. tends to be skewed towards men rather than women because it's part of a tech environment so i think there are issues in terms of pipeline um, and I think there are issues in terms of legacy Um, if you look at the PR agencies where you look at the makeup of the organizations which tend to be more female um, across the entire agency you don't you do tend to have more female leaders because 
there's 60% women, 40% men across the PR agencies. Okay, so let's just dig deep a bit, in, a bit more into the reasons behind the gender pay gap. Do you think the reason that women are occupying as many senior positions as, you, as you'd like is simply the fact that women um, think they won't get these senior jobs, they're not ambitious enough, so they're not actually applying for them? Or do you think there's also uh, maybe a legacy issue of senior men wanting to employ mirror images of themselves and not wanting to appear, uh, appoint women to these positions? Look, I think for the industry as a whole, unconscious bias exists. It's something that exists in our industry and outside of our industry. Mm. And I think that means that people do employ um, in mirror images to themselves, mm. which can be a barrier. I also think that there is an issue with, with regards to starting families and making sure that we have the conditions in place for people, not just women, to be able to thrive as parents when they come back into our industry, because ours is a fast-paced, hard-working industry, and we need to make sure that it marries with actually starting a family. There, I'm president of NABS in the UK, and there was a mm. working parent survey which was done, which showed that 60% of women um, aged who had not yet had children believed that having children would be damaging to their career, which is an awful stat mm. from our industry as a whole. So, look, unconscious bias exists, and we need to make sure that we have enough working practices within our industry to actually champion and help working parents. And what about women not being ambitious enough in the industry? I think that's a total fallacy. I can name a number of women uh, within the industry who are ambitious. I think that's nonsense. Of course women are ambitious. Okay, and do you think, is, is there a aim of WPP to get to the point where there isn't a, a gender pay gap at all? Is that, is that feasible or not? I think we say in our, in our company report, and I think we say in the yeah. press release which came out, which is we need to reflect society. Society is 50-50, oh, right. so we need to make sure that we have 50-50 within our every level as we move um, up into different uh, levels within an agency. So at the most senior levels, we should have 50-50. There shouldn't be an imbalance in mm. terms of men and women. So that's an ambition to make sure that we reflect society. But you've not put a timeline on that. I mean, it's an ambition, I guess, but I mean, that, that could take quite a while. And again, I don't think having quick change is not okay. necessarily sustainable change. Mm. I would love things to have happened yesterday. Mm. I'd love things to have happened tomorrow. Mm. But what I'm more concerned about is making sure that the change is sustainable. Okay, so let's talk about some of these initiatives you've got to encourage women to take on more senior roles. Uh, as you alluded to in the, uh, the, the pub, uh, what you've published, you've got a mentoring programme called X Factor, an initiative called Walk the Talk. Uh, what concrete evidence do you have that these initiatives are working? I am a graduate of both of them, so <laughs> okay. I'd, I'd, say, I'd say they're pretty good. Right. So I've gone on to X Factor, I have now got a WhatsApp group of amazing X Factor cheerleaders, and I am their cheerleaders, um, women from across WPP, from across markets. And do you know what? Some of those women have churned out and have gone on to create and go on to bigger roles in other operating groups. Mm. And uh, most of the people in my X Factor class have actually been promoted. So it does work. Walk the Talk, again, I am a graduate of that. I right. um, worked with the company that, uh, as part of Walk, Walk the Talk back in 2014, I introduced it at Mediacom. Okay. And again, I would say it is an intensive coaching program which makes women realise their ambition and be able to articulate their ambition. So 
I am a graduate of both programs, so I would say I'm firm statistical evidence that mm. it works. That's a very good answer. Um, <laughs> uh, what about quotas? I mean, that's something that you could introduce, isn't it, to address the, the pay gap? Was, is that something WPP would consider? Look, I, I think the thing that I think is brilliant about the gender pay gap is it's, it's there in black and white. Mm. Everybody needs to know their data. It's like anything that we advise our clients, understand your data, understand the insights that you can get from your data. I then do think, like any business challenge, you set a target. Mm. So our target is to get to that 50-50 at the most senior levels. We do have to do it. Mm. I do think that we need programs in place to help it. You know, I have never been historically a fan of quotas, but when change is too slow, mm. I think you do have to have those KPIs there, and I do think you have to have those targets there. So, again, it says in our WPP report that we want to get to 50-50. So that could be a consideration then? Absolutely. Right, okay, okay, that is interesting. Now, obviously, another hot topic at the moment, or has been for the past few months, is sexual harassment in the ad industry. Um, do you think there's a link between cases of sexual harassment which have emanated and men holding senior positions in the industry? Obviously, there have been a few high-profile cases. There was a case of the CEO of JWT, Gustavo Martinez, I think this was in Spain, who stepped down amid uh, sexual harassment and a discrimination suit filed by the global head of public relations. Do you think there's a link there at all? Look, I think with any industry, and we are seeing it in the Me Too campaign and mm. Time's Up campaign, which is emanating from the U.S., that times are changing. Practices of the past, which may have been acceptable, are no longer acceptable. And the more that we have senior women within any industry, some of the past practices cannot continue and they cannot be tolerated. And you think they're still going on, though, those past practices? Or do you think they're still, or do you think they've been all, all you know, been rooted out? I would hope okay. they have been rooted out. I genuinely would hope they've been rooted out. I genuinely would hope that there is change because we can't tolerate it. And I think there really is. We are in an era where we have more senior women, we have more people speaking up. And I just think that those practices of the past mm. should stay there in the past. And you've not been subject to it, though, sexual harassment? Myself, yeah. no. Okay. Now, in the report, you, t you do talk about your own experience at WPP. You talk about when you started out, it was predominantly led by people very different from me. So what did you mean by that? Well, I presume I know what you mean, but it'd be good to hear you say it in your own words. Um, obviously, the listeners can't see me, but I am a black female. So when I started in the industry, the industry was led by people that essentially were white, middle-class men, which is very different to me. Mm. Um, so my difference made me stand out, but also my difference gave me a unique Mm. viewpoint because creativity comes from lots of different thinking lots mm. of different people from lots of different backgrounds coming together to problem solve um so for me being one of a minority in the industry it was a challenge it made me resilient um but i think the end result my talent is what has helped me my gender and my race actually put it to one side it is my talent mm. that has made me country manager of WPP yeah. not my gender or my race but I do think having me as part of a team mm. brings a different spice it's so, a different flavour of thinking so your gender and race has had no bearing on you getting or not getting jobs in WPP it's been look it's been challenging I think mm. I have worked for a holding company and an operating group mm. which actually wanted to win 
And that mm. was the focus. It wanted to win. So that meant that they cast the best people on clients, on pitches, so that you could win. Um, I, to my face, have I experienced any form of discrimination? Mm. No. Mm. Behind my back? Of course I did. No, really? Of course I did. That was a long time ago, presumably, no? Not that, re- not that long ago. <laughs> But of course I did. There right, are okay. still things that go on where there is discrimination, but it's your your excellence mm. is what counts. Yeah. I mean, you talk about, you've got the, the, the CEO's job, you've got 10 months after having your son. Mm. Do you think there was any resentment in WP, WPP or from others that you're getting that job or not? God, no. No, because no, okay. I think hopefully um, the reason I got that job was because yeah. I can create culture change and I can lead very diverse winning teams. Mm. Um, me getting a job 10 months after having a child? No. Mm. Okay, but and you say that WPP supported you and allowed you to blend being a single mum with being a leader of their second biggest market. What, what, what did they actually do then? I mean, so, so this is when I was a CEO media, yeah. of Mediacom. Yeah. Um, they absolutely allowed me to blend my work with my life. Okay. So I would work in a different way. So... One of the things that I'm passionate about is flexible working. I'm not about presenteeism. And I set my stall out very early that I am just as productive, if not more so, since becoming a single mum. But I just work in a different way. My hours are different to what I used to do because I work around my family. But I am just as ambitious, just as productive, if not more so. Okay. And when you were appointed to the role of country manager, WPP uh, CEO Martin Sorrell said you were a tireless champion of diversity in our business, in the wider sector and in public life in general. Um, does it, uh, you know, that's a lovely thing to say. And he also said she will, Karen will support efforts to attract and retain the best and most diverse talent. Does it annoy you when you get labelled at the time as a champion of diversity? Do you feel it's added pressure on you at all? No, look, I, I, as I said, I am in the role I'm in because of the talent, not because I'm a woman or because I am black. It is because of what I've been able to do and achieve in my career. I think I have a tra- proven track record of where I can lead diverse teams. I have a proven track record of where I can help grow a business. I have a proven track record mm. of, of developing great relationships with clients. What I want to encourage is for more leaders to be brave, to look at different areas to recruit talent from. Mm. Because, you know, me managing to get into the industry, Mm. if I look back on it, that was a major achievement to actually be able to navigate my way in. Mm. Because we have a very narrow door of where we recruit from. Mm. So, look, do I want to be known always for championing diversity? Of course not. Mm. Do I think it's important? Yes, it is, because I want our industry to future-proof itself. Mm. In order to future-proof itself, you have to think of existing consumers and future consumers who are not all the same. Mm. So I will continue to champion diversity because mm. it means that I am future-proofing the business. And this championing of diversity, this is like a... I mean, in a way, do you do any cross-agency initiatives too? Do you work with publicists? Or... So this is week eight into uh, <laughs> the country manager role. And right, okay. there are some fantastic initiatives which are coming from the individual opcos, yeah. some of which I'd like to take across WPP okay. so that it goes across all of the agencies. 
But outside of WPP, mm. I work with um, a, a number of different agencies and a number of different holding groups for the industry as a whole. So an initiative which was started by Grey Advertising, but it is not a WPP initiative, mm. which is about an industry diversity task force, which is a coming together of an amazing collective of different organisations in the industry that want to change the industry, that want to make sure that the industry is seen as a possible career avenue for young kids coming out of school and also to make sure that the content we create reflects modern Britain. So mm. I am part of that cross-industry initiative and I really want to look at what we can do with some of the amazing OPCO um, initiatives which are within WPP to take them wider across WPP as a whole. Okay, I know last couple of questions. I know you got to head off. We had Josh Kotreski, current chief, uh, chief executive media com UK recently, and bluntly asked him if he would like Martin Sorrell's job one day. So I guess uh, you're further up the pecking order than Josh. So I'll ask you the same question, Karen. Would you like to be CEO of WPP one day? Of course. <laughs> right okay there you go she wants to be would, would that be in, in five years ten years time or you'll have to ask martin that i'll have to ask martin i'll do that right thanks very much for joining us uh that's great thank you very much karen pleasure